Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge. And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now. Welcome to another episode of the Recruitment Flex. I'm Shelly. And joined with me today is actually two people. Serge, glad to have you. Welcome to the show. I'm very excited because one of my favorite is joining this show as a guest co-host. So miss 29,000 LinkedIn connections. Actually, it's probably higher, probably up to 30,000 right now. The best recruiter in Canada, Kim Wilkinson. How's it going, Kim? It's going well. Thank you for having me, guys. I'm excited. Thank you for co-hosting with us. That means you and I can gang up on search. Which is one of my top three things to do. So, I think Kim is a very rational and logical person. I think she's going to side with me on any arguments because, Shelly, let's just get to the point. You're usually wrong and Mm. Kim's usually right. So we're probably going to be on the same boat. So we'll see about that search. We'll see about that. We'll see. Kim has been on the show before and glad to have her back, but this time we're really going to put her on the spot. What is going on with your life, Kim? You know what? I just celebrated, I think, potentially the happiest day of the year last week with my son returning to school, feeling recharged and ready to go. I don't know if you guys feel the same. I find September almost signifies a more invigorating start than New Year's does. What grade is he in? In grade eight. So grade eight. Full of attitudes and eye rolling over here. (laughs) Oh, yes. You realize the old saying is that the decisions you make in grade eight set the course for the rest of your life. I remember saying, I said to my boys, I was working, I don't know, 60 hours a week. It was just insane when my boys were that age, like 13, 14. And I said, you guys make good choices because so help me God. If you come off the rails, I will quit my job. I'm going to drive you to school and wait at the school front steps. Don't step out of line because I will be all over you like a bad fucking smell. And they were so scared because if there's one thing my boys knew about me, I always kept my word. (laughs) So in high school, a good friend of mine who had some attendance issues, mom legit came into class with her for several weeks. She sat in class with her. She put up her hand and participated. She was a star student and just the mortification of my friend. So it's a good yes. rest. <laughs> and do you know what? My boys, um, like you, it, this September has been the month of new starts. My two boys are now both starting their master's degrees, but one of them went to take his master's in Germany. So he's left the country. And my other son moved him. out into his own place. He's sharing a place with three other guys. Oh, that's really clean there. Smells it, great. Well, they only moved in on Friday. So. <laughs> Shelly, can you can you see a trend? Everyone's <laughs> trying to get away from you. Is do you see that? No, that's winning the lottery. I that is success on us. Where we're like we're yeah. five years. Thank you, Cam. Time it is. Mm-hmm. What are we gonna do? We've already got his room redesigned. It's just a matter of time. Like <laughs> give me your key on the way out. <laughs> yes, it, I believe that, Kim. I think the success as a parent means that your kids can leave and be successful adults. 
off you go. You know what? I agree. I agree. For sure. But it is sad to see them go. Yeah, it is sad. Kim runs a staffing agency here in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Very successful one. How has the recruitment agency world in the last couple of months been? This year has been insane in recruitment. Has it been the same for you? Yeah, it's been good. Honestly, summer recruitment's the worst and anyone who's in recruitment knows it. It's literally the worst time of year to hire Painful. managers. All of oh, you yeah. are awful. <laughs> <laughs> Just we need someone yesterday, except for the fact I'm heading on holidays for three weeks. So um, (laughs) just the worst. But overall, considering the conditions globally and everything else going on, it's been busy. The hospitality industry has obviously had a ton of volatility, but corporate businesses still need to hire and good people are still hard to find. You're best known for anybody in finance. They know Kim. Is your agency still focused in that job family? Yeah, I do a lot in accounting and finance. I do a lot in HR. I've been doing some sales roles, which I could do a whole talk on how to hire salespeople properly. Anything that kind of lives in your corporate office is what I'll tackle. I don't get into anything like engineering, IT. I feel like my brain just doesn't work that way. (laughs) You had fantastic advice when it came to hiring salespeople on LinkedIn. Can you tell us about the advice you put out there? Oh, on Instagram, you have to have your compensation laid out. Too many times I'm talking to clients and it's so gray and salespeople are probably the most detail oriented candidates in terms of compensation, how they earn KPIs, what's expected Mm -hmm. of them. And if you don't have that stuff, they're just not interested and clients rarely come to the table prepared with it. (laughs) So do you help your clients refine that? Because you're right, Kim, we'll just have them 100% commission. Oh, yeah. Everybody's just going to fucking line up to to sell your product on 100% commission. True. And and also understanding good salespeople are working. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you're trying to take someone. So you need to sell them on that opportunity. I will coach them around. We're going to need to define this. I need to understand what that looks like. I myself don't sit down and put out compensation strategies. I have some suggestions or here's what I've observed and seen, Mm -hmm. but I will typically refer that business to an HR consultant who's just better apt to sit down in that. I'm a big picture, not in the weeds kind of gal. (laughs) Talking about big picture or in the weeds, can you introduce your recruitment insight of the week? I can. So this is something that, continues to happen and has happened as long as I've been in recruitment. And to be honest, I've never put much thought to it until recently when I've bumped up against it and have seen some of the after effects that I don't think everyone considers. My topic is on engaging more than one recruitment firm for your search. And this is a bit of a controversial topic. I think people don't like to talk about it because we as third party are always like happy to compete for your business, happy to work alongside your current provider. But the reality is, in my opinion, I don't think it results in a good candidate and client experience. And I challenge anyone to tell me another industry where you would ask someone to do their job in its entirety, not put a quote together, but actually execute on their job for you. And you're only going to pay them if they do better than the other people they've also hired to do the exact same job at the same time. Good point. (laughs) 
you're right. The first thing I think of, I can feel my blood pressure starting to rise. Just thinking about it because I was used like a a dating analogy. Let's just say I'm the guy and I'm going to date three girls and whichever one of you gives me the best job gets, gets paid. There's that E rating. (laughs) (laughs) But is that not what you're saying? That is exactly what the employer is doing is they're getting it for free. And whoever they like the best, I'm going to pay in the end. I've long been the one to say, I need a retainer or I need an exclusive. Yeah. Because I don't work for free. Why would I? How is that a good relationship for anybody? I agree with you. And I used a different analogy than happy to talk about those. (laughs) You wouldn't get two people to do your taxes and go, whoever does them the fastest and gets me the most money back, that's who I'm paying. Tell me an account that would sign up. For that arrangement. And, and even on top of that, sometimes, and I recently had this, I'm not informed when I'm competing, which I think is another layer of going, is there a responsibility of the client to go, hey, I've engaged two or three firms on this. Do you want to work on it? Because there are times for me, two other firms have been running for this and have had a week and a half lead time. Maybe I don't. There's only so many candidates in Calgary. So why am I spinning my wheels where ideally two other firms should be able to produce some results for you at this point? My concern comes around the candidate experience. There's too many stories of candidates talking to different agencies and being submitted for the same job. It, it looks bad for everyone. It looks bad for the candidate. There's this impression from the company that, all oh, this guy is everywhere. He's just desperate for a job. Or it looks bad for the recruitment firms that you're getting the same candidates, even though you can't control that. So the candidate experience is horrible when you do that, because obviously, if you have a very specific skill set, there's a chance that you will get contacted by three different companies looking for that same role. There's only a market that big. But devil's advocate on all of this. Oh, here he goes. (laughs) Come on. So, So if I know I'm competing... Am I going to move faster? And I'm talking as I'm a recruitment agency. Am I going to go quicker so I can submit candidates before the other agency? But does speed equal good results? And I think we could span that across all questions that we've had in life. Is speed better than a thought out process? Because I agree with you. That does create sense of urgency. Yeah. But even more of a sense of urgency than I think is there before. So are we getting a bit of spaghetti on the wall situation where candidates are just being thrown, not given the opportunity to fully consider the opportunity before being presented? And are they not being prepared properly? I have literally prepped candidates I'm not representing for opportunities that I'm also working on because the competing agency is not doing it. And I think it's the right thing to do for the candidate. But at the end of the day, I'm not getting paid a nickel for that. I agree with you. So I'm just giving you the perspective (laughs) of I'm the company and I don't know anything about recruitment. And I'm thinking of how, say, sales works or another function works. So do you ask companies that you're going to be working with if you're going to be exclusive? I do ask. I'll say, what else are you doing to fill this position? Just to get an idea, because I also want to know what their own efforts have looked like and what they've been going through. There have been times, though, with clients that I've worked extensively with that I have made an assumption, and that was the wrong thing to do. (laughs) Was that me, Kim? (laughs) 
No, I don't think that's been you. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm so, kidding. So let me ask this. If you were sitting in the client's chair, why are they doing this? What is it? What do they believe the benefit of taking this out to five different agencies or three different staffing firms? And what is the myth we want to bust about this? I think it's the perceived choice. I think it's the perceived, I'm going to get more than if I just was with one. So that you are actually having these agencies compete against each other for your business. And somehow you believe that will create a better result. Yeah. That you're going to have a bigger variety of people to choose from. And honestly, that's a great question and, and one I've never directly asked a client. I would assume that would be the biggest thought around that. My message to clients has always been, you can do that, but it's a big fat waste of time. Because I know when I worked in the staffing industry, if I knew that the client had me competitive, I've got 20 open orders. Guess what I'm yeah. going to work on? I am going to work on the ones where I know I've got the highest likelihood to to fill the role in place. Yeah. So although you think it's somehow to your advantage as the client, my message would be you're dead wrong. Mm -hmm. In fact, pitting agency against agency when most staffing firms are contingent, that means I don't get paid unless I win. I'm going to go work on stuff that I know I'm going to win. And if I've got a great candidate, especially if I'm known for maybe finance or corporate roles, if I've got a great candidate, I'm going to give that to my client that I know hasn't pitted me against three other companies. Say I'm an employer and I end up hiring a shitty agency and I realize that I hired a shitty agency in the first week. What should be my approach? Should I just fire them, then hire another agency or should I engage that agency as soon as I get that inkling of they're not going to be able to execute what I'm looking for. When should a company look at that challenge? Yeah, I think companies should be thinking of that beforehand. And I am constantly reaching out to clients going, let's have a discussion and see if we would be a good fit to work together. Because just as I may not be everyone's cup of tea, there are clients I don't want to work with. I think clients just think everyone wants their business. There are garbage companies out there that people mm-hmm. don't want to work for that are offering garbage compensation, bad benefits. I don't want to sell that to my candidates. So I think do the work beforehand, find mm-hmm. a recruiter that's a good fit for your business, but also have that expectation of, hey, I'm going to give this to you exclusive for 14 days. If we're not seeing results or you're having challenges, and I think that's part of having that relationship with that recruiter where they understand that too, to come to you going, you know what, I'm turning up empty stones. It might be time to engage another firm and, and having that sort of trust and understanding between the two. Of- I think in a perfect world, that would be the grown up way to handle things. Yeah. What I find is that certainly a lot of the big agencies, they will have you sign a contract that gives them the right to continually recruit for it. Whether you produce results or not, I've worked with companies where I've said like, why would you sign that contract? They can tell you anything they want to tell you about results, but the fact that they took on this and now you're locked into this contract, like, why would you sign that? Because a lot of the big ones they do, they make their clients sign some sort of contractual 
obligation. Yeah. But then clients need to push back on that. Agencies want your business. They're not going to get stuck in the mud over something like that. Or why are you working with agencies like that? I came from big agency. Don't get me wrong. There's a place for a big agency in, in some organizations. But honestly, if you're looking for a flexible approach to your staffing, you got to iron out those kinks before. And if something like that comes up where you're bound regardless of results, that's a red flag for me. I agree, Kim, but I've talked to a lot of companies where they went into it because the sales rep told them, oh yeah, we've got a database of 50,000 applicants and we've been working this region or this job family. They sell it, man. So you honestly believe that they can produce Jesus Christ himself to fill your job. They really do. (laughs) So they signed the contract like, God, anything, just please quickly get me people. So I think we all agree, which is a bad topic for you to choose, Kim, because we <laughs> all agree that you should just engage one and you need to vet them properly. Exactly to your point, Shelly, as far as make sure you're signing a contract that makes sense and have an out. If they're not working out, move away from that company. So Shelly, what's your recruitment insight? So I want to talk about placement guarantees. With most third parties, they offer a a recruitment or a placement guarantee, where if the person doesn't work out within a certain period of time, you'll replace the candidate. I really wanted us to talk about why bother. So here's my take on placement guarantees. I would never offer one. Never. Because I have no control as the agency over how you're going to treat that person. None. So why would you hold me accountable for whether or not they work out? Like you said, Kim, there's some pretty shitty companies out there. And turns out that you were sold a bill of goods and they don't exactly treat people or train people or pay people as well as they said or led us to believe. So why should I be penalized because of something I can't control? Discuss. Hi. Although I offer a replacement guarantee, <laughs> I do that because I feel like it's an industry standard. I'm a bit of a bandwagon hopper on that. But what I do find is that it removes the client's responsibility in the process. You know, I was chatting with one client who have made a ton of successful placements with, and they're like, oh, yeah, we've had a couple of misses. And I'm thinking in my head, you chose these people. My job is just to present you with some options. It is your job to vet them properly and hire correctly. I just don't think that clients look at it that way. And I think the replacement guarantee only perpetuates that thought train. I think you're both wrong. And I I get all your points, but I'm looking as an employer side of it and I'm getting approached by a hundred agencies a year. And a lot of them, I don't know. A lot of them, I have not built that relationship. And depending on their need or their niche, if you're going to give me two agencies, very similar, one offers a guarantee and one doesn't, I'd be an idiot not to take the guarantee because we're talking about big money. Like we're talking about say 20% of a 200K salary, that's $40,000. And even if I did a bad job in vetting them and they weren't the right fit and they're gone within, say, a month, 
it looks really bad for a corporate recruiter to lose 40 grand. That kind of gives me a peace of mind that I am not going to have to answer to my HR, the hiring manager, the VP, that we paid 40000 and that person worked out for two months. You friggin' idiot. You hired an agency without a guarantee. Would That's just feel, career suicide. So would you feel better at six months if that $40,000 candidate left? No, they wouldn't. I would. No, no, I would. They wouldn't because there's even more damage done at six months. Yeah, yeah. If they've been there six months now, legally as an employer, you're talking severance. And if the recruiter lured them away from their former job, you better pay up. And so I think we're using the wrong kind of context here because the only other thing I would say is if you are recruiting for someone who's 200K, 500K, that's a whole different and more sophisticated level of recruitment. And actually the likelihood of not getting the right fit is lower. I would think the higher the compensation, because you're not dealing with hiring five of the same, and you're looking at a very narrow pool of people, and you're going to do lots of due diligence on this individual. If you're paying somebody 200 grand, you don't think you're going to do like a real deep dive on their accomplishments, what they've done. You guide and control the interview questions. Like you're really going to know who you're dealing with. So the only reason they would leave is if something horrible happens, right? That is out of my control as a recruiter. So yes, very unlikely. Due diligence, but how many bad hires are executives? There's a ton of bad hires at really high level that all that due diligence was done. I'm just saying, it's a little bit of covering your ass as a corporate yeah. recruiter. For some companies, that could be career threatening as far as you have to spend, say, $30,000, $40,000. And there was options out there that you could get a replacement. You chose the one that not. Would I do it with a company that I've dealt with? I have confidence. I know we'll work together. Yes, there's a higher propensity that I will. But if I don't know you, I'd be a fool to accept that. I deserve to get fired if it screws up. So anyways, that's my take I think the bigger deserve to get fired is if you went through that much of a process, paid that much money, and the person didn't work out. That's what you'd be getting your ass fired for, not over the fee. If you make a $100,000 mistake, yeah, you might as well just quit and leave. But a $40,000 mistake when you're hiring a key person for 200 grand a year, come on. No, I think it's more opened up a couple of holes of how we recruit. Cause I think we talked about the extra effort given to senior level positions and how we seem to treat our entry level positions as a little bit more disposable. So I think that opens a different topic for another day of why are we not recruiting with the same intention across all positions in our organization to avoid that type of attrition? And is there an opportunity to look at the guarantee and not eliminate it, perhaps tweak it a little bit so that there's some room for a toxic environment or mistreatment of the candidate? Because I agree with you. I have placed candidates where it has turned into a complete nightmare. And I'm like to the candidate, you got to get out of there. It is not healthy. And even as a recruiter, I don't even want to replace at that point, knowing now what I know about that organization. So at the same time of 
Serge, I totally hear you. I need to trust this recruiter. The recruiter also has to get to know and trust you as an organization that you're going to take care of their candidates if you're working with a good recruiter that cares about their candidates. So what you're saying is I'm right. So we'll move on to the next topic. <laughs> Absolutely. Recruiters right now are are pretty much the most in-demand profession right now, which is Hooray, happy for us. We're in a really good spot. Uh, a year ago, we weren't. I always say, we're the canary in the coal mines. We're the first to get laid off. What has happened is a lot of people that got laid off, they're like, I'm going to open my own recruitment agency. And I would say the majority don't work out because they realize the infrastructure, the work that needs to get done. It's a different ball game completely. Mm-hmm. But some like you, because you came from a big agency and you started your own and you've obviously been very successful. So I found this article that I thought was really interesting, giving you ideas on how to grow your recruitment business. I'm going to go through some of it and you can tell me if these are just like is this Alouette. an intervention? Crazy. Is that what you're doing? Is this you intervening? Kim, I well, think you need to grow your business. Here's how you're going to do it. <laughs> I do think it, it's been, uh, it hasn't grown quickly enough. I haven't seen it on billboards or anything like that. So I think we need to help you. Some of the advice that they give here, and you're probably already doing some of it. So outsourcing strategically. Anyone that has a small business know they need to outsource strategically. Example here, as far as Mm -hmm. virtual assistant, also leveraging freelancer marketplace for something you need to get done, maybe on the marketing side. Some companies are are hiring like freelance sourcers that spend time sourcing your candidates. Do you outsource anything when it comes to any of your work? Is this good advice for someone that has a recruitment agency? It is. It's not advice I take, but it is good advice. I need to outsource more, (laughs) but I definitely do in some spots. I am fortunate that I am related to some people with some exceptional talent that have stepped up and helped me out with uh, some marketing type things. I'm rebuilding my website right now. My sister's doing that for me (laughs) because that's what she does. So I am fortunate that way. And I do Um, have some independent recruiters that I will lean on for searches outside of my wheelhouse to be able to partner and still offer my client a sort of a full service offering from my firm. Yeah, it's been a life-changing decision for me, Kim, is to hire a virtual assistant. I'm not a staffing agency, but in running my own company, this is probably the hardest thing to realize I'm not really good at the small details, man. I I can see what's going to happen future wise. So taking care of all the small details, best thing I ever did was hire a virtual assistant. The other thing was a bookkeeper. You have an accountant who does <laughs> outsource to bookkeeper. We have the same. Me and oh, Kim. oh my gosh, I would never try and do it myself. And I tried, and I made so many mistakes. I'm like. Stop it. So outsourcing strategically for any small business, not just recruitment businesses, but any business is realize that you can't do it all. And I think your accounting is probably the number one thing. If you have to choose one, I know my accountant, he'll just be like, do you want to walk through this? And I'm like, if if you want to say it, I'm happy to listen. (laughs) I'm just going to believe you. Right. If you're going to talk, go ahead. It looks like I made money. Thumbs up. (laughs) (laughs) 
The next piece of advice they had, and this is obviously an agency that's growing, maybe uh, three to four recruiters. One of the things, instead of hiring the next recruiter, hire a marketer. And I thought this was interesting because one of the aspects when it comes to this job world is not only finding people, people have to find you. And this is a bias. I feel most staffing agencies, and we got the answer why a couple episodes back, they're just bad at marketing. I'm still going through like LinkedIn feed. I don't know how many times I'm seeing from staffing people with just a straight up like a job posting and I'm hiring. I'm like, how are you going to attract anyone with that message? Having someone craft really good job posting, find the people. I think there's tons of value if your your business is big enough that it can sustain. It should be looked at instead of hiring a recruiter if that's your next step. But you could outsource that too right? Somebody who's really good at writing kick-ass job ads. I think it's a day-to-day job. I think a really good recruitment marketer, I don't think you can outsource it unless you're hiring me. Aside (laughs) from that, I I think it's really hard. I think having someone in-house can make a really big difference. I think marketing is a key part. I'm with you. I believe you 100%. I'm doing my own marketing right now, just making... Instagram posts and the amount of time it takes. And I do not post nearly as regularly as I need to. The kind of growth I could see if I could commit to daily and sometimes multiple daily content pushes. That's a great piece of advice. And and I like your content, Kim. So everyone do follow Verve Recruitment on Instagram. Are you on TikTok? No, you're not on TikTok. No, I feel old for TikTok. I know it's essentially the same, but I'm on it just to monitor my son and make sure he's not shaming the family name publicly, (laughs) but... (laughs) Fair enough. So the last piece of advice is collaborating with other agencies. And I think we all have this mentality that... We live in a world that um, there's not enough for all of us. If you live in a world of abundance and you help other agencies, you work together, I think there's tremendous opportunity in that. But what's your, uh, Shelly, I'll start with you. What's your thoughts around that? It's a lovely idea, but it'll never work. Why not? Honestly, because of what Kim said earlier. She's spending time properly preparing a candidate that she's not going to make a nickel on because they're so bad. Unless you can find someone who operates at the level, because we're talking like between the three of us, very successful and God damn it, all of us are rich because we know how to do Don't forget this. attractive. So oh yes. Attractive. And, and attractive, <laughs> all three of us, but we've made a living doing this. So it would be a cold day in hell that I would ever collaborate with another agency. So wrong, Shelly Kim. Tell her why. Okay, she- come on, tell I me why. I do it all the time. And I will say it has been my favorite part of being on my own is collaborating with other firms. I'm careful about who I work with. Certainly, I want people that align with me and I'm very informal about it. And my husband was like, what if they totally rip you off? And I'm like, well, they'll only do it once. I think you got to stick your neck out there a little bit. There is an element of risk, but I've met and continue to partner with some excellent recruiters and provide a better level of service for my clients and vice versa and my candidates by working that way. I love it. And I think big firms are missing the mark by not doing it more. 
So you're working with other niche solopreneurs or are you talking about like full on agencies and they've approached me and I've had conversations about what that would look like and, and how I could help and where I would step in. I think the important thing when you are doing that is to define what sort of your split is going to be. I have one gal I partner with quite a bit and she sends me a write-up on the job, what the split will be so that there's no confusion. Because I think money is always negatively spoken about after the fact and Mm -hmm. much more positively spoken about before there's actual money available. So just making sure you're clear on this is what split will be. Here's what your part will be. Cause I have a few different scenarios of who will be doing what, but as long as you're doing that and everyone is fully on board and clear, it's been amazing. So let's just keep track of the score. So Serge has been right <laughs> three times, Kim twice and, why, why and Shelly zero. You're the tiebreaker on this matter. Yeah, your crown's looking a little tight on you today, (laughs) King Surge, because I still would tend to say you've developed a good relationship with ethical recruiters, but that's no accident, Kim. Surge, you and I talk about this all the time. You get calls from staffing firms trying to sell you their recruiting services and 99 out of 100 are morons and they don't know what they're talking about. And they just want to earn your business or they're reading a script versus if you're going to partner with someone, you're dealing on a whole different playing field. Yeah. Where I'm coming from is like these staffing firms who literally have a thousand percent turnover a year. People last 30, 60, maybe 90 days. They're a hundred percent commission. And if you don't start making placements in your first 30 days, you're fired. Yeah. That's the way most staffing firms work. Any companies listening to this need to hear that. And you support and vote with your wallet. I would encourage, and whether it's pick me, no, or if it's anyone, go with a smaller firm. I think yep. that is always All day. the best thing to do. You're going to get someone who loves recruitment, who's not just doing it as their job. I'll end on this recruitment insight with one point. I had a different understanding of agencies until I worked for one. I bought into their bullshit that they have this massive candidate pool and they're going to be able to move quickly. In some cases on the temp side that happens, but I was shocked being on the inside. I'm like, okay, what's our sourcing strategy? How do we get candidates? And their answer is, well, we post some work opless and we're like, that's our strategy. I was blown away. I then I figured out that agency wasn't the world for me and I moved on, but it's still happening to this day. Kim, amazing. You always bring amazing insights for anyone wanting to connect with you. What's the easiest way to find Kim Wilkinson? I'm on LinkedIn every day, all day, and also on Instagram, because as you mentioned, my connections are getting near the top. <laughs> yeah. There's so a, I, there's a ceiling, but I'm very near it. I've been going through and actually like removing some people that I have that don't live locally and don't uh, necessarily make sense. But well, let me look at that right now. Oh, Shelly, you're a second connection with Kim. Ah, you so see, you made your cat there, Kim. Good job. <laughs> So Shelly was one of your first cuts. Amazing. Oh, ouch. Hard decision. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, it just happened now. I just actually unconnected just today. <laughs> so Instagram's another great place. But yeah, connect with me there is, is also perfect. Shelly, anything happening in your world this week? 
No, I'm still crying that my children have left home. Mm. I'm in mourning. I'm I'm weeping. <laughs> yes. How about you, Serge? <laughs> Nothing new. Same thing. Last week was amazing with my oldest one going to school. Now, if a couple more years and I'll have the twins, then life is just going to be easy. So thank you for another great episode of the Recruitment yes. Flex. Thank you for everyone listening. Have a fantastic weekend. Thank you, co-host Kim. Thank you. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transformed, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.